0: I realized stress was my habit and that I lived just encumbered by stress all day, every day. So much so I didn't even know I was stressed. And so for me, that's, I think where my true healing began is when I really realized I lived nonstop in the stress response. Quite often I work with people and they don't even know what it feels like to have a state of calmness in their body. And so it's teaching them, this is what calmness feels like. Because if we sit down to meditate, but our mind is thinking there's 10 tigers in the room with us, no way can we meditate.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Calm Scholar Podcast. Today, I talk with Lynette, and we have an incredible conversation. Lynette has a deep understanding of the stress response in our bodies and how we can regulate it and work with it to help build new patterns in our life. Lynette is one of the earliest coaches to join Calm Scholar, and she's been a huge part of our story and our mission for the past two years. So without further ado, here's our Calm Scholar podcast featuring Lynette. All right, awesome. So Lynette, welcome to the Calm Scholar podcast, and thanks so much for being here today.
0: Oh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm super excited about this.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. In fact, it's interesting that you're one of the later podcasts we've done, yet you've also been somebody who's probably been with Colm Scholar the longest, actually.
0: Yeah, I think I started with you guys at the beginning.
1: Yeah, yeah, you absolutely were. You were one of the (laughs) inaugural coaches with (laughs) us. And, you know, someone, me and Ben are, you know, constantly recommending and referring people to, um, just because lots of clients have reached out to us after working with you and have had really awesome experiences. And so, we're super lucky to have you with us, and I'm super excited to learn a bit more about you and even meditate with you here today.
0: Oh, sounds great, Alex. Me too. Thank you for saying that. It's very much my pleasure to work with you guys.
1: One thing that has always stuck out to us about you, Lynette, in particular, is a very much a sense of professionalism and poise in how you present yourself, you work with clients. And I know a little bit of the backstory in terms of where you worked, you know, years and years ago, and how that led you here. But I would love if you could share a little bit of that with uh, our listeners today.
0: Yeah, you know, it's always fun to look at someone's life journey and their life path, and and really kind of see how it unfolded and, and led them to where they are. And for me, that has just been um, such an, a such a wonderful journey. I. Started out in the financial industry very young. Um, even through college, I was a licensed stockbroker. So I was very, very much indulged in that area and just, you know, ready to, to full on tackle it. And did that for about 15 years until I had my daughter. And when I had my daughter, I realized how much my health was compromised by such a stressful career. And that really began, you know, this new journey for me as I as I stepped away from being so stressed all the time and I realized, wow, I just lived completely stressed all the time and Mm -hmm. it took a significant toll on my health. And so by the time I stopped that job, I, I, you know, was, was very sick and, my vitality was pretty much gone, and that just kind of led me on this journey to where i I realized to heal my body, I had to learn more about my body, so I went to school and got my master's in holistic nutrition, you know not thinking I was really ever doing it to use it as a career, but to do it, to heal my own body. Cause hmm. at the time I had Lyme disease and I was just working to move past that. And my adrenals weren't oh. functioning and just multiple things that were going on in my, in my life at the time that had just depleted my vitality completely. And from there, I just, you know, was so enamored by this understanding of the human body and more importantly, the mind and how our mind actually impacts everything that's happening around us and how You know, the more we understand to self-regulate the mind, the more we're able to shift the vitality of our body.
1: Wow. A question for you, as you speak to that time when you were, you know, on the trading floor for years and, and you talk about how at the end of it, you know, you were burned out, your health was suffering. My question for you is, did you know at the time, like throughout the entire course of that, were you aware of the stress and the, and the toll it was taking on you? Or did it take some years to develop awareness of actually, Hey, maybe, maybe this isn't the, the best for me physically.
0: You know, it was um, during the time that I was a broker, a lot of it was during the the nineties. And, you know, the mentality back then was you just push through and the more stressed you were, the more that made you kind of a badge of honor, you know, in the, in the financial industry, the more mm-hmm. stressed you were, that meant, you know, hey, you're working harder. That means you're more successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was kind of raised in that era and I'm, I'm quite a bit older than you, Alex, but I was raised in that push through era where mm-hmm. the more stressed you are, that actually makes you appear more successful. Mm-hmm. So when you're in that, in that time period, and that's what you're engrossed upon, like you really don't realize the toll it's taking on your body. And so for me, when I had my daughter now all the time, now all of a sudden I'm at home, you know, with this infant and I'm so far removed from that career, it started helping me see how much that career was depleting me. Um, So I guess to answer your question why I was in the middle of it, I knew it wasn't healthy, but I didn't quite understand the impact it was having on my health until I Hmm. actually removed myself from that. Hmm.
1: Wow. So this idea that stress equals success, you know. It, it's not entirely new to me or to you, but to label it that clearly uh, really does you know, put into light, you know, the, the mentality and attitude that a lot of modern society, what what it means to be a human in 2022. And, um, yeah. In in addition to that, you were also the only woman on the trading floor, right? Like that was also a part of something you had to navigate.
0: Right. Yeah. So during that time period, there really weren't a lot of women in the industry. So, you know, it was not unusual for me to be in a a room of 500 men and maybe one of two or three women within the room. So I I was pushing myself in every possible way. Plus I was young. I was in my twenties. So I was trying to stand strong and, and fight for my right to be within that, that atmosphere. But also there was definitely that imposter syndrome going on that I was so young. Did I really know what I needed to know? And, you know, looking back, no, I really didn't know what I needed to know. But, you hmm. know, again, it's just that push through. And and so I had to step and create this really rock solid facade that no one could get through. And, you know, that looking back years later, I realized creating that facade and not allowing anyone to get into the real me is really what started creating the health issues. Hmm. And so then I had to create coping mechanisms for dealing with all the stress and, you know, being in my twenties, I didn't choose the healthy coping mechanisms that I would choose now. You know, I chose a lot of unhealthy things to do to help me deal with working 12 to 14 hour days and, you know, ways to overcome that stress when I got off work. And the years of that just accumulated until I just ended up in this, this place of no vitality at all within my body.
1: So fast forward to Lanao. I said Lanao. Lanao. It
0: is the Lanao. That's awesome.
1: (laughs) The Lanao is the name of this podcast episode. Uh, Fast forwarding to the Lanao, you know, what has changed for you? Not just externally, because, you know, that's obvious, you know, you're no longer in that career, but more so internally in terms of your attitude, how you look at yourself and the situations around you.
0: You know, it's... Everything has changed. There's not a single part of me that is the same person I was back during that time period. I mean, there's and it's not that it all changed overnight. It's not like I became Lanao overnight, you know. (laughs) (laughs) It happened gradual as I learned more and more about, you know, self-regulating my emotions. And I really decided to take charge of my own health and You know, I remember reading, um, I was going through different Western medicine doctors because I was undiagnosed for five years. So I had Lyme undiagnosed for five years. So during that time, you know, no one could figure out what was wrong with me, but my health just getting worse and worse. And I remember at that point, I read someone say, You have to become the CEO of your own health. And that was a pivotal moment for me. And I decided, I have to quit looking for answers outside of myself. I have to stop going to these doctors thinking there's this magic pill that's going to heal my body. And I now have to figure out how to heal my body on my own. Hmm. And from that moment forward, I became the CEO of my own health and I found holistic medicine and nutrition. And, you know, I came into it with a, you know, my, my doctors, my holistic doctors I worked with during that time period laughed at the the progress I made because I came in as a beer and pizza for dinner kind of gal, you know, like that was my typical dinner. And they were trying to walk me into understanding nutrition, which I didn't have any kind of understanding of my body and the nutrition it needed or any of that. So it was really me learning, honestly, everything and just breaking down all these limiting beliefs I had and these things that were keeping me stuck. And it was a, a very slow, long process, but one that I'm so grateful for the path of how it unfolded.
1: Yeah, it is like everything changed, like you said. And you know, I'm sure it didn't happen overnight, but where did you start to feel and sense some of the biggest changes, like some of the biggest shifts in becoming healthier, more in touch with yourself when you make that pivotal decision to you know, go inside for your own healing versus, versus always looking outside?
0: I think for me, the pivotal shift would be when I realize that stress is a natural part of our life. And it is, it's powerful that, you know, a thousand years ago that we would kick into fight or flight as a survival mechanism. We needed it in the moment as something that helped us survive the moment. So it's a great response, but it's a horrible habit. And for me, I realized stress was my habit and that I lived just encumbered by stress all day, every day, so much so I didn't even know I was stressed. And so for me, that's, I think, where my true healing began is when I really realized I lived nonstop in the stress response. And then I also realized I was doing that to myself because it was my emotional state, my mental state that caused me to be in stress. And so from there, I really pursued different uh, a lot of the different certifications and education I have. Mm-hmm. I pursued in order for me to help understand how do i how do I self-regulate this internal stress response. Mm-hmm. And from there is is definitely what catapulted me to returning to a place of vitality.
1: So there's lots more I want to ask you about mm-hmm. the stress response about things that you would do now or things mm-hmm. that you would share with clients. But maybe before we get into that, if you could share a little bit about your experience as somebody who is in the meditation holistic wellness space, about the types of clients you've had and the types of experiences that you've had as you've made this transition,
0: yeah. So you know, it's always interesting, um, Alex. That the, the people that come to you are the people that align the most with who you are. So so many of my clients are people that are stuck in the stress response. They're just they're living a life that is. In complete stress, and they a lot of times aren't even aware of it, and so it—it's just me learning to, um, or or helping those people, supporting them in learning to self-regulate the stress response. Learning to breathe correctly is honestly the first step to it. Most of us breathe very shallow, and we don't breathe deep into the belly. So helping people start bringing the body back into a state of calmness, start taking these deep breaths into the abdominal area. And that alone allows the body to understand that it doesn't need to be in fight or flight. When we breathe very shallow, we're breathing through the lungs. And that's actually triggering the stress response by breathing shallow in the lungs. It's signaling to the brain, there must be something around us. There must be a bear or a tiger around us, puts us into fight or flight. So, so many of the clients, that's really where I begin working with them is just learning to self-identify those moments that they're, they're actually creating that environment within their body and then learning to shift and reset out of that moment to, to get outside of that stress response. Um, Quite often I work with people and they don't even know what it feels like to have a state of calmness in their body. And so it's teaching them, this is what calmness feels like. And I do that with meditation. I walk them into a meditative state and help them learn to feel what does it feel like to be calm within my own body? Then we anchor that in, anchor that deep within their core so that they can go back into that place anytime that they need Mm. to and, you know, access this, the sacred spot within themselves that brings that sense of calmness, regardless of what is going on in the external world.
1: I would be really interested in trying a few of those breaths with you. And I'm also really interested in how you talk about anchoring that experience back in with you because, yeah, it's an important link into the next step after the meditation. And it can be a really easy thing to skip as you just open your eyes and bounce back into your day. You know, that integration and merging is so important to take that slowly and mindfully.
0: Yeah. And you know, the anchoring is, that's exactly it, Alex. That's just key right there that people learn how to recognize that and and be able to live in that moment. And I work with clients typically in eight sessions. I love to work with people twice a week if if that can fit into their schedule. And oftentimes people are like, well, do I really need to work with you twice a week? But to me, that's how I anchor it. That's how I I help mm-hmm. them learn to identify, oh, this is what calmness feels like within my body. And the more we do that, the, w- the more that we build these new neural pathways that help them understand and feel and sense within the body. So anchoring in and of itself is a tool that, that people need to, um, you know, bring, have brought into their awareness so that they can learn to anchor within themselves. And that's absolutely with each of my clients. That's what I work with is, is anchoring that in and becoming familiar with that so they can tap into it in those moments. Um, but if you'd like me to walk through a, you know, kind of a breathing exercise, I'm happy to do that. That,
1: that would be awesome. Just a bite-sized little something, yeah. you know, for anybody who's listening to follow along with too for a minute or two.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's perfect. All right. So most of us, like I was saying, we we breathe in our chest. So what we really want to do is we want to bring our focus into the body. We want to feel the breath entering our body and we want to think of it as a straw going through the nose, down through the throat, past the chest, and into the belly. Quite often, just putting a hand on the heart and a hand on on the abdominal area is very soothing and comforting to the body. And it allows us to feel, are we taking that deep inhale? Are we feeling the belly expand on the inhale in? And often, people aren't familiar with breathing this way, so they need to understand that this is a new muscle memory. So just as much as the abdominal area can expand in this moment, that's great. Just bringing the awareness to feel the breath coming into the body. And what we want to do is we want to take this deep breath in, fill that belly expand, hold it for the count of four, for eight, whatever we're capable of this moment. And then when we exhale, pull the belly button back to the spine, allowing that breath to leave the body in this cleansing motion. And so I'll just kind of count us down. So let's take a deep breath in, filling the belly, expand. One, two, three, four, five, six. Exhale out, pulling the belly button back to the spine. One, two, three, four, five, six. Deep inhale. One, two. Three, four, five, six. deep exhale, One, two, three, four, five, six. deep inhale in, One, two, three, four, five, six. deep exhale out, One, two, three, four, five, six. And just registering in your body what this feels like, feeling the calmness that's come over you, almost like a snow globe, just feeling those levels settle, layer by layer, allowing yourself to just come in and surrender to this calmness within the body and scanning the body, really truly anchoring what does it feel like to be in a moment of calmness, Just allowing yourself to take a couple more cycles of the breath and then opening the eyes when you're ready. And then as you open the eyes, just look around the room and continue to have a couple more cycles of that breath in and out while your awareness is looking at the things in your room. Things will often look brighter, more vibrant. You'll see more details than you saw before. You're right. I I do see more details in the environment
1: around me. Like the way the sunlight is coming through these leaves,
0: yeah, in this
1: houseplant. That that really that end of that bit, opening your eyes but still continuing to do the extremely mindful breathing. It's mm-hmm. really interesting way to, yeah, kind of cross that bridge of you know mindful not just mindfulness being something that you sit down and do but mindful living like a mindful breath absorbing the environment around you a mindful step you know?
0: Yeah. And that's exactly it, Alex. How many steps can you take while still holding that presence? You know, and when you do the meditation, you hope each time you can take just a few more steps, holding that presence within, holding that sense of calmness, regardless of what is going on around.
1: I'd like to delve in a little bit more into some experience you've had maybe outside of just one-on-one clients, but Mm -hmm. with groups and organizations, because that's another thing that you have that's, that you bring to the table that's really special and different. And, you know, if you can share what those experiences have been like and maybe even some of the important things that you felt or the things that you felt were important to work on or bring to those environments.
0: Yeah. So, you know, within a, d- a group context, um, I'm a math HeartMath, um, trained facilitator. So I do teach a lot of workshops to the government and the military and in that group consciousness, there's just a cohesiveness there. And I love bringing in information to people, in, especially into groups where maybe they aren't as open to it, bringing in the scientific data, but then having them do this deep breathing within the context of an environment they would typically not do that in. And it brings such an awareness and it brings it brings the awareness and the words and the tools that they can now use collectively as a group in order to be able to say, okay, let's group, let's shift as a group. And, um, you know, they often they'll, they'll experience this deep breathing again in their stressful day-to-day lives. And they're amazed at how much they can do what you just did where, oh, I do see the colors more vibrant, you know, and they actually were able for, you know, 30, 60 seconds of their day to slow down that monkey mind and just slow it down and bring their presence into their body. And I love bringing the information to people that would Mm. otherwise not experience Mm. it.
1: It's incredible that that type of shift can be happening amongst individuals and organizations that, you know, are responsible for the well-being of so many people and to be able to bring a greater sense of presence and a greater sense of consciousness there and um, kind of in a different vein, you know, through Calm Scholar, we've also worked with, you know, hospitals and like businesses or corporations as well who need just a moment of mindfulness in their day. And yeah, it is something you have to really be able to understand the audience and where they're at in that moment to be able to have them just let their guard down enough in in a workplace or, uh, you know, around other people to slow down and, and, and yeah, create a new neural pathway and not do what they've typically been doing, which is sort of just rushing forward constantly. So
0: yeah, it is.
1: It can be a very powerful thing in groups like that.
0: And, you know, that's one interesting place because pre-COVID I would do these things live and that that was a different come from. And I've learned doing it virtually, it actually does keep, allow people kind of that veil of like, okay, I'm doing it as a group, but mm-hmm. also people aren't watching me. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it allows them to kind of step into it. So, you know, there's many gifts that we've gotten through COVID. And I think that this virtual environment that we've become familiar with now does allow people to take that moment of silence and that deep breath where they maybe otherwise wouldn't have.
1: Yeah, this is something that we always talk about a Calm Scholar, but it's really easier to show and illustrate than to just talk about. But I would love if you could shed some light on how what you do goes beyond meditation. You know, how meditation is a part of and sort of an essential part of what you do, but the other branches that come off that tree of your like one-on-one ability to show up for someone and and what that entails?
0: Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I love the tree illustration you just gave because I think there's so many limbs of, of what it is that I do based on this one core trunk. And I am a board certified um, health and wellness coach. So I have the training on how to assist someone in walking through a process of change. How to facilitate change and overcome some of the the barriers and obstacles that keep us from changing and having the forward momentum that we want so i have that training that i can just kind of couple in with all these other tools and techniques i have um, and, and and what i do for each client is i'm extremely empathic so i can really kind of sense in with each person what is maybe a good entry point to help bring a new awareness into their into their existence. And so I use that ability to kind of tap in with each client. And so I always explain with people when they have their first session with me that I'm not a coach that has a laid out criteria of like, here's what we're going to do each session. I really truly let each session unfold. And I let each time someone shows up, we talk about what what went well since the last session and what are some things they would love to to put some more focus on and intention on. And then I just bring in all of the different tools I have to help guide them and walk them through whatever's gonna meet them where they are in that change process. And I have the more logical t- tools that are more scientific based. I also work in energy medicine. So if that's an arena they would rather step into, I have the tools and techniques and the abilities to walk through that with them. And that's what I love about the folks you guys, you know, bring to me through Calm Scholar is that I get a wide range of people. And it's always like a puzzle. If someone shows up the first time, I see it as this puzzle, this beautiful puzzle with all these pieces and i get to just sit there and play and say okay so how can we make these pieces align up to be the future that they want how can i support them and walk beside them as they put their pieces of their puzzle together and then we just play together and just figure out what are the best the best tools the best techniques the best strategies to use and just let it unfold into this beautiful journey of this this you know Co-creating together of the coach and the client, and it just letting it be this this thing that unfolds in its own organic way.
1: Mm -hmm. Do you find that you evolve as a coach as well through through that experience and as a person?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I feel like oftentimes I get more from my clients than they get from me because it is a a given exchange of this Mm -hmm. energetic, beautiful exchange between us, and I feel like because I I am able to be empathetic and and drop in with my clients in a different, um, deeper way, it allows them to open up more to me. And we we open up within this little bubble of safety to where they really are able to drop in deeper. And, you know, within a session or two, they're really able to open up with me. And the beauty of that is rewarding for me, because I, I can feel that their openness and their surrender to the process, which is, you know, it is as an exchange, a give and take between both of us. So absolutely, I, I benefit from it as well.
1: And now to create that safe space, that safe bubble, like you talk about, you know, I'm sure that that doesn't happen automatically. That takes intentionality.
0: It takes intentionality, but it also takes the fact that I've done my own work. So, when I meet with a client, I have no agenda. I have no judgment. i I don't know I don't know their personal life. so i don't I can't, in my mind say this is the route they need to take. Mm-hmm. I literally just come in and just surrender into whatever comes through comes through. And I feel like that's what creates that safe space is not coming in with my own agenda, not coming in with my own judgments of the situation. Not coming in, me knowing what needs to take place for them to heal and move their life forward. Instead, I I feel like because I come in completely open with a blank canvas, that's what helps create that space.
1: Hmm. The story writes itself. I love the idea of surrender in that equation as well.
0: Yeah, I love the word surrender. Just surrender to it. Yeah.
1: What is what is something that you find is helpful for you to maintain boundaries in your own life and not take on the heaviness sometimes of, you know, getting in there, you know, rolling up your sleeves and working with someone's stress or trauma or uh, addictions or whatever it might be that it's causing that person, you know, unhappiness and disconnection from their life at that time.
0: You know, Alex, that's, that's an interesting question. And I feel like for coaches, it's one of the most important questions is that we don't take ownership of the client's problems. We don't take ownership of whatever it is they're trying to move past. And I think as, as, when I was just beginning in coaching, I did take ownership. Like, oh my gosh, you know, I would grab in, grab in and really be like, mm-hmm. okay, I have to help them figure this out it wasn't until I could step away and say, these aren't my issues. They're not my, my concerns to solve. I'm literally just here to support this person, to love them and to walk beside them. And I'm not going to pick up their problems. I'm not going to pick up their troubles because if I pick that up for them, that now creates a codependency Mm -hmm. that also can be a negative consequence for them. So Mm -hmm. I feel like that's as a coach, a skill you have to learn to not be able to, um, take on the other person's, the other person's troubles, because when you do, then that changes the dynamics. And I feel like that then shifts that safety, that bubble of safety. Hmm.
1: I know that you are a mom as well. And so that, you know, plays into your role. I remember even we were talking recently and you're like, it was hard not to, you know, be in, in mom mode or kind of like have your, your instantaneous reaction sometimes is to, you know, pick up a burden someone's carrying, because you see how hard it is for them. And yeah, that can run counter to our nature sometimes.
0: Yeah, it really can. Yeah. And you know, again, I I feel like that's where my coach training comes in. So beneficial for me, because I I really realized if I do that, I am not benefiting the person and they're not going to actually, they're not going to have that forward momentum we want. So it has been a process of me learning to self-check myself and really ask myself that question. Okay, right now am I am I staying true to what I want to be as a coach, and really making sure I honor them and their rights to choose and their rights to um, you know come up with a path that's right for them.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, of course, you know respecting confidentiality always. You know, are there any stories that you want to share as a coach or during? your experience working with people in this way that have been really meaningful to you and that have stuck out during your time working with people?
0: Yeah, you know, it's, gosh, that's hard to say because there's so many. I feel like every person I work with has had some kind of meaningful shift. Mm. Maybe it is just one tiny step forward, or maybe it is extremely substantial. Um, so you know what I find with most clients, it, it is hard because I don't I don't want to give any specifics. Um, but I guess what I would have to say is what I find most beneficial for most clients is that they've now learned to control their stress response. Um, so like you know through COVID, uh, one of the clients that you guys brought me was a nurse who was just overwhelmed, and she was just overwhelmed because she was working twelve hour days and just had no no satisfaction, no joy, no um, vitality within her life. And through the process, we learned to help her calm her mind. But we also realized that she needed a self care routine. So that's kind of where I can benefit is not only can I do meditation and, and help someone learn to self regulate, but I can also step into coach mode when needed. And so for her and I, it became very clear that She needed a self-care routine. And it ended up being that she needed a 30-minute lunch. She needed to take her lunch each and every day. And it was this beautiful process. So having a coach is great because I held her accountable. Did you do that? And so over the course of the time we worked together, she did start doing it. And then not only did she do it for herself, but other people in the office saw how much that shifted her. Mm -hmm. And now they started taking their 30 minute lunch. So it's, I always love to think of it as this ripple effect. So Mm -hmm. as I touch each person, that person then touches 10 other people. And that's how we heal as a society. That's how we heal as a global impact is that, we all have this ripple effect. So if I can come in more calm in any situation, I help bring calmness to that situation. Where if I come in stressed to the situation, I'm going to just heighten the stress of that environment. Mm. Be at the grocery store, a concert, you know, a doctor's office, whatever it may be, everywhere I show up, the more I can be calm and present with myself, the more I help others around me be that way as well.
1: Who has had the ripple effect? on your life or like what have been the moments or mentors who had that positive shift for you?
0: Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's just been such a, I feel like if I look back through my journey, it's been this beautiful twisting road with all these little turns and all these little offshoot roads that I've taken. And I feel like that each healer I've worked with a lot of healers to help me heal. Um, I had a very traumatic childhood, a lot of, trauma that needed to be healed and everything to help me move forward. And I felt each of those people were like this little sign that said, Hey, take this road. You know, it seems small. It doesn't seem like the right road. It's not very well traveled. Take this road. And then I would travel down that road a little way. And then someone else would show up and say, Hey, come try this road, you know, and they just kept leading me down different roads. Some of them were grass paths that I thought this can't possibly be a road. Um, and so I've had a lot of people who've helped me one-on-one. And I would say that's where a lot of my substantial work has been done. I also have had a lot of the big leaders like, you know, Wayne Dyer would be one of my first big spiritual teachers that really helped have a substantial path for me. Uh, I was, I've studied the Course in Miracles quite heavily, and that has been a huge shift. Um, Joe Dispense's work has been phenomenal. And probably my all-time Person, if I were to say one person's had the most substantial impact on me it would be Dr. Sue Mortar as far as helping me trans transcend and move beyond what the place that I was and move into the life that I want.
1: Like your experience facing this uh, traumatic childhood stressed out of your mind 20s and you know mm-hmm. your your shift into motherhood and beyond and to, all the way into Lanell like when you're working with someone like this nurse, do you feel like you see a little bit of yourself or like an old Lynette in, in them This or in the situation they're in and how they're responding to it?
0: Yeah. You know, I feel like my whole, my whole life path has actually been just this unfolding in this. And actually I have a tattoo on my arm of a life path. It's called a unilome and it shows this twisting and turning path. And I feel like mm-hmm. That's, that's where I've been because I feel like all of these things in my life have been my greatest teachers. I grew up in a very violent household. So I I absolutely understand anyone who's gone through that type of trauma. I've had severe illness in my life with my Lyme disease to the point where I spent three months on bed rest. Um, I've been divorced twice. So you know, I can understand what that's like. I've been a single mom for eight years. You know, I've, I've had all these different obstacles, what could be con- perceived as obstacles in my life. But instead, as I, I'm 51. So as I look back over my life path, I see how beautiful each and every one of those events and each and every one of those things guided me into the person I am right now. And I would not take away a single one of my hard lessons. They've all just been, So powerful and guided me and shifted me to who I am. So nothing in within my past would I ever take away.
1: Wow, what an what an answer and what what a perspective. Time and commitment to your own healing can bring. You know, because so many people, myself included, by my best intentions and even at the best of times, you know, I can wrestle with uh, something's wrong here. Something needs to change in this situation. You know, versus really being fully present, surrendered to it. And, you know, showing up as the person that you want to be, you know, open hearted and and calm and kind. You know, a lot of times I can find myself viewing it as something negative, even though it's not.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and that's the place where I always just encourage my clients. I, I just had this discussion with a client yesterday, just having that grace and that love and that compassion for yourself, that we're all human you know the human experience can feel challenging at times especially these past few years you know it's it's hard not for us all to feel like this has been a challenge for us the last few years so having that human compassion for yourself while you're also on if you're on the spiritual journey of of trying to learn how to fully embody yourself letting yourself be both letting yourself be the person who's trying to understand how to calm the mind shift the physiology And at the same time, holding the love and compassion for yourself that you live in this human experience, which can feel at times very challenging. So I think that having that love and compassion, and I'm not going to say I don't have days where I don't grapple with the same thing you're speaking of, Alex. I do. I fortunately have the tools that when I have those moments, I can shift myself out so much more quickly than I used to. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, perspective and experience, of course, helps, but uh, the self regulation part of it, and the, and the commitment to that, and you know, the understanding of your tree, like we were talking about, like which branch needs attention today. Uh, yeah, you know,
0: what
1: what thing can I do to support this specific part of myself or nurture this part that's you know that's hurting.
0: And, you know, a lot of times, and I I know we want to go into a meditation, this might be a great time to do it because a lot of times what I do in meditations is I help people find that future version of what they want and bring that into their body right now. Anchor that in as far as what it is that they're wanting and who they want to become and how, you know, and it's powerful to be able to do those meditations inside of those moments of saying, oh, I'm grappling with things not being the way I want. It's important to be able to have this tool to say, okay, but this is what I want, and I'm going to experience that in my body right now.
1: Yeah, I've definitely found the shortcut to that to be, you know, uh, trying to find something in the present moment that you you feel really satisfied with or grateful for. Yeah, or, and that you really can genuinely feel that way for. Like, uh, I'm I'm at my sister's place. You know, my family's alive. Like, I like get to have dinner with my parents today or or something like that, and yeah, just shifting it into something that in this actual moment you really do feel presence and connection to. And yeah, I would I would love to do a meditation soon. You know, in the next few minutes. But maybe before we do that, there were a few two or three other things that I really wanted to make sure I had a chance to ask you about. So we could be like a rapid fire round. Um, okay. How we can get stuck in the stress response
0: mm-hmm.
1: and why we find it challenging to quiet the mind.
0: Yeah. So I feel like oftentimes people come to me through calm scholars saying, I want to quiet my mind and I want to meditate. But the first step is I feel like we can't meditate until we can learn to quiet the mind. And we can't quiet the mind if we're stuck in the stress response, because when we're stuck in the stress response, Mm -hmm. our mind, the amygdala is constantly serving our environment to say, are there any tigers? Are there any bears that are going to eat me in this moment? Is my survival at jeopardy? And quite often, you know, we might have 10 tigers in the room with us all the time. You know, when you and I get off this podcast, Alex, I'm going to have probably 10 text messages. I have four different emails I have to check. I'm going to have several emails on each of them. Those, my mind could all trigger those as tigers. Like, oh gosh, I have so much to get done. How can I get everything done? So it's learning to calm those tigers down and just say, they're not actually tigers. It's okay. They're not truly tigers going to eat me. So we can't meditate. And this is what I often find is people come to me and they say, I've tried to meditate, but I can't do it because when I sit down, I can't quiet my mind. Mm -hmm. And that's the key point I always help people walk through is you can't quiet your mind until you, you let your mind know these tigers are actually not going to eat you and your survival's not at stake. Because if we sit down to meditate, but our mind is thinking there's 10 tigers in the room with us. No mm-hmm. way can we meditate because we're trying to hierarchy those tigers, like mm. which one's going to eat me first, you know? So we have to learn to calm the body, calm the autonomic nervous system enough that we can then self-control our our thinking so that we can know we're safe and that we can go ahead and relax and, and be in present for this meditation. Mm.
1: I would love to do, uh, maybe start our meditation with a few of those things, really.
0: Just calm
1: calm the body. What what nervous system did you just mention there?
0: Uh the autonomic nervous system. So we have two parts. We have the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. Uh, The sympathetic is our fight or flight part of our of the autonomic nervous system. Again, it's a great response, you know. If something is happening and we need that fight or flight, that's the way we survive. It's the survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's when that becomes our habit is our problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have to learn to kick <laughs> in so the parasymp- yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have to learn to kick in the parasympathetic mm-hmm. part of our nervous system. I always call those our paramedics. It's the part that lets us know these tigers are in the room with us, but you know what? They're actually not going to eat us. We're actually gonna survive, mm. you know, having 50 emails is actually not gonna kill me. Mm-hmm. It may feel like it, but it's really not. It's learning to bring in that part. And I like to think of it as driving like a stick shift car where you've got the brake and the clutch, you know, the gas and the clutch going mm-hmm. together. That's what our autonomic nervous system is, is learning to use both sides of the system to mm-hmm. regulate internally um, because we need both sides of it. We just need to learn to regulate that.
1: That's a great analogy that um, unfortunately fewer and fewer people are going to know what that means. But I grew up driving a a automatic or a manual transmission, um, old like 1950s Dodge truck, my dad had with a really big four on the floor stick shift. It was like a meter long, just wrestling with these things. The pedals were so hard to push down. (sighs)
0: <sighs> yeah, you're right. And it's funny when I give that analogy, so many people don't, I, I've got to find something for the younger folks. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's,
1: a, that's a really good one though, for, for people who understand, you know, that, that really does make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so the other final things I wanted to ask you in our lightning fire round, and that was really good. I'm glad we talked about what we just did because that's really, really important. And I, I have an understanding of the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. And I know even, um, something like making your exhale longer than your inhale is a way to tap into that parasympathetic state so little little nuggets like that you know they can really help they have really helped me out personally i know they can yeah that. the the one thing that i also wanted to touch on with you and i said when i asked you before this what's something you wish more people asked you about and it was how to listen in a healthier way to those you're having a conversation with and Maybe this is something I should have asked at the very beginning of our conversation together. (laughs) But uh, I'm curious, you know, A, why that's important to you or or why you thought of that when presented with something you wish more people asked you about, but also your take on what you can do.
0: Yeah, so most of the time, and and to me, that's a huge element of learning to calm the mind. Most of the time when we have conversations with people, we're thinking about the response we're going to have. So as you're asking me a question, if I don't bring myself into this mindful present moment and truly listen to your words, I'm formulating my question or I'm formulating my answer to your question, which means I'm not really listening. I'm now making my, uh, my mind is now thinking about what I'm going to say, not what you're saying. So as we mm-hmm. learn to calm the mind and we learn to become present, and to me, that's a huge part of what coaching is, is me just being present with a person until they've they've said what they need to say. Because I, if I start making my own answer at the beginning, mm-hmm. their, their statement may shift and turn in a way I didn't expect. And now my answer really isn't mm-hmm. the most mm-hmm. suitable thing. Um and I always find that out when i'm when I'm with friends and in social you know settings. It's always interesting to really look at someone and decide, are they even listening to me? And so often, I realize people aren't. Hmm. Hmm. It's one of those skills. if everyone could learn in kindergarten how to truly listen to each person they're talking to, we would end so much of the um, the the places where people aren't able to get along you know, and not feel loved and not feel heard and not feel understood. Like we would heal so much of society just by learning to listen mm. to each other.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. Uh, it's a big part of being a podcast host as well, because <laughs> I don't want to just say, cool. Yep. And then hop on to my next question, you know, or, or whatever I have cash that, that, you know, I, Oh, I want to make sure I asked Lynette about this, but right. um, I think it's about
0: time to get into our meditation here. Well, why don't we
1: move into kind of a meditation here to close it out and wherever you want to take it with everything we've discussed and something that anybody who's listening or finds you might have a chance to meditate along with you as well.
0: Okay, that sounds perfect. All right, so why don't we all just kind of shake our shoulders, just kind of find our presence within our body, maybe wiggle our fingers, our toes, just allow us to bring our presence into the body. Just kind of shifting, and wherever it is you're sitting or standing, just shifting and becoming comfortable of where you're you're sitting and standing, and just feeling yourself being within the body. Now let's just start focusing on the breath. Talking about the breath that we we were talking about earlier, just bringing that deep breath into the belly. Just envisioning a straw going from the nose through the throat past the chest and into the belly. I'm feeling this huge expansiveness of the belly on the inhale. And on the exhale, pulling the belly button back to the spine. Any thoughts that come up, just allow those to be clouds in front of you. They're right there in front of you and you see them and you know they're there, but you're just not reaching out and grabbing them. Each worry, concern, thing you need to do, just let it be one of these clouds floating in front of you. Trusting yourself that the end of this podcast, the end of this meditation, you'll go ahead and take care of whatever it is that needs to be taken care of. Just surrendering and honoring yourself enough right now that you just relax into this breathing. Taking these deep breaths into the belly. Feeling the belly fill with this breath and on the exhale, pulling the belly back to the spine. Just feeling everything settle like a snow globe, layer by layer. As every muscle in your body relaxes, all the tension falls away, all the worry, all the stress just leaves your body. And you just feel yourself sinking and surrendering into this place of the breath. Becoming fully present within the body, allowing all awareness to be on the body. Any thoughts coming up, just keep letting them float into those clouds in front of you. Just honoring this moment for yourself, honoring this sacred space. Now let's just do a few rounds of breathing together. Take a deep inhale in. One, two, three. Four, five, six. Deep exhale out. One, two, three, four, five, six. Deep inhale in. One, two, three, four, five, six. Deep exhale out. One, two, three, four, five, six. Now, just gently placing your hand upon your heart, allowing yourself to feel this incredible self-love for wherever you are in the process of meditation, in the process of learning to control your mind. Love yourself exactly where you are in this process. Allow yourself to have these few minutes to build this internal oasis. This place that you can lovingly come back to anytime you want to bring the body into a place of calmness, into a place of surrender. I want you to just envision yourself standing at the top of a mound that's getting ready to lead down into the beach and into the ocean. Standing at the top of the sand dune, just seeing the beautiful grass on the sand dune blowing in the wind. And you're just standing there staring out at the expansive ocean in front of you. And I want you to look down at your feet. Now just slowly place one of the feet, one of your feet into the sand in front of you. Fill every grain of sand on the bottom of your foot. Allow the sole of your foot to truly merge with the sand and with the earth below you. And as you make your way slowly down this beach, Allow your foot to just merge into the sand, deeper and deeper, each time the foot touches the earth. Feel the heartbeat of Mother Earth connecting up through the soles of your feet and coming into your body as you make your way down this beach. Allow yourself to sink into the sand so much you can't tell where your foot begins and where the sand ends merging so completely and so deeply with the earth, allowing yourself to just feel this beautiful vibration, this beautiful heartbeat of Mother Earth, while continuing to make your way to the edge of the water. And as you walk closer and closer to the water, you feel the moisture in the sand below your feet. Allow your feet to just feel the difference, The difference of what this sand feels like with the moisture accumulates. And with each footfall, you sink deeper and deeper into the sand. And you find yourself on the edge of the water. The water is just barely coming up around your feet and your ankles. And you just stare out at this beautiful ocean in front of you. I want you to just focus on your feet as they're sinking deeper into the sand. Feeling the safety of being supported by Mother Earth. Feeling the love, the support, the guidance as it wraps around your feet. And I want you to focus again on the breathing. Allowing your inhale as the waves wash in towards your feet. Allow this to be when you take an inhale into the body. And as the waves wash back out into the ocean, allow this to be the time that you take an exhale pulling that belly button back to the spine and just allow the rhythm of your breathing to match mother earth coming in and the waves going out. And as the waves come in, just imagine your body filling with this beautiful energy of the earth, every cell of your body being illuminated and supported by the energy of the ocean. And on the exhale, allow the ocean to carry away anything not needed in the body in this moment, anything known and unknown that is keeping you from stepping into the future you desire. And again, as the ocean washes in, just allow all potentiality to wash into the body, allowing your awareness to come in and vibrate and illuminate every cell within the body And on the exhale, as the wave washes out, allowing everything not needed to just leave, wash away back into the ocean. And as you're standing here so deeply anchored into the earth, you can feel your feet so anchored into the sand. Also feel the beautiful sun overhead coming in through the top of your head filling your entire body with the power of a thousand suns illuminating the body. Feel yourself supported overhead with the beautiful sunlight pouring into the body and how grounded and supported you are by your feet so deeply planted within this sand, filling yourself tethered into the earth yet supported so beautifully from above while still matching your breathing to the waves in front of you. Allowing anything not needed to leave on the exhale. Bringing in this beautiful potential on the inhale. Now as you stand here so beautifully supported and anchored and revitalized by the sun overhead and the earth below. Scan your body. Feel what it feels like to be in a moment of complete surrender. Complete safety. Complete joyfulness calmness. Scan the entire body, allowing your awareness to come into each part of the body. Anchoring in what this feels like to have this personal oasis within, this place that you can return back to anytime that you need to, to anchor within yourself, to bring calmness regardless of what is going on around you. Allow yourself to anchor it in to recognize it, to be able to shift into this place whenever needed. And just stare out at the ocean again, just watching the sun as it dances across the water. So much potential ahead of you, so many options, this expansive potential is just in front of you, allowing anything you want to come into your awareness. Just allowing you to anchor in that potentiality. Just taking a few more deep breaths in and out. Allowing this to anchor so deeply into the core of you. Holding that loving space in your heart. Allowing yourself to have love, compassion for the version of you that is standing here. Allowing love and compassion for the version of you that shall be unfolding each and every day of your life. Just slowly bringing your awareness back into the room. Feeling where you're standing or sitting wherever you're at right now. Feeling your presence within the body in this moment while still holding on to what it felt like to surrender. Placing your hand once again on the heart. Feeling your hand press against the skin of your body. Filling your heart from the inside pressing out. Bringing your awareness completely into your body. Filling your, the room around you. Just feeling the presence of the things that are around you. Slowly open your eyes. Looking out at each thing in front of you. Look out at any. Furniture, any wall hangings, the flooring on the floor, the sun coming through the window. Just focusing on each thing that's in this room with you. There's an animal or a person focusing on them. Seeing them in a way you didn't see them before you closed your eyes. Just allowing your awareness to just register each thing while still holding this presence within yourself. This sacredness within yourself. And as you continue on throughout your day, just come back to this place anytime you need to. Anytime you need to come into a place of calmness, a state of grounding, just allowing your yourself to shift back into this place when needed.
1: I'm really taking my time coming back like I always do. But thank you for that exceedingly beautiful meditation and sensory experience. Really, yeah, that was that was really beautiful, Lynette, and that uh, and vivid and uh, felt definitely, definitely. Okay, and thank uh, thanks for sharing it with me, and thanks for sharing it with the community at large.
0: And- oh, so welcome.
1: And of course, thanks for your presence today on our podcast. The very, very last thing I'll say when I asked, uh, what's a quote that speaks to you? I want to ask you why this quote speaks to you, but you said from Rumi, set your life on fire and seek those who fan your flames.
0: Yeah. So, you know, actually it's funny. I even have that. I got that printed on a little piece of glass that I have set on my desk. And I give that as a, a Christmas present to all my closest friends through the years. As a new friend comes into my life, I get a new one made for that person. And and what that really means to me is when you set your life on fire, you no longer live within the parameters of what society tells you you should be. You know, you no longer let society dictate who you are and how you function in the world. And instead you say, you know, I'm going to listen to this deep internal wisdom, this deep internal guidance that says this is what is right for me in this moment. And for me, it's so important that I have friends who... Understand that and who support me and fan those flames, whether they understand those flames, whether they agree with them, they fan them because they know they're my flames, they know that they're my course, my part of life that I want. And so to me, like having people in my life that will fully support me. Without their own agenda is so important. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's what true complete friendship is. Mm. And you know, I have to say at Calm Scholar, you guys fan my flames because you don't try to control who I am as a coach. You know, so many coaching platforms, they tell a coach how they can and can't coach. And I find that so difficult because I want to show up for the person for whoever they are. Mm -hmm. So I thank you guys for allowing me to just unfold and be organically who I want to be with my clients. You guys do fan my flames. And that's why I've been with you guys from the beginning because Thank you, you me. allow me to show up in the way I want to show up.
1: Thank you. That's great. It, I, I think it speaks to just, uh, Ben and I's kind of simple beliefs that if we, yeah, if we let the coach feel fully, fully free to be themselves while of course remaining professional and all that type of stuff. Right. Um, the sort of bare minimum but yeah to to really allow you to be authentic and to be yourself and to be who you need to be for that client is is really important both for yeah. you and that client who shows up to to you know get the best experience possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it really is. That's how we we collaborate and build this beautiful platform that you have.
1: Yeah, well, thank you for your kind words. You also fan our flames no doubt and yeah, Ben and I are super grateful to have you around and yeah, you've been a really, truly an important part of the team from from day one. So,
0: Well, thank <laughs> you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We'll go ahead and wrap it up here soon. But mm-hmm. any final words for anybody listening?
0: Uh, you know, I just, I think the one thing I always want to instill in anyone is if you're in a moment of, of just feeling like you're having anxiety, depression, your life's not moving in the direction that you want it to, and you potentially feel hopeless, I just want everyone to always know There's potential there. Everyone is capable of finding it. Just finding someone who loves and supports and is with you as you walk along this journey, whether it's me or another guide that is there with you. Just knowing that there is help, that there is a way to shift, that everyone is capable of doing this. There's not a single soul that's not capable of making these types of shifts. Loving yourself enough to allow yourself the opportunity to do this.
1: Well said. Well said, Lynette. Thank you so much for your presence today. And with that, we'll conclude our episode of Linal, the Lynette podcast.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Alex. It's been my pleasure. And I love (laughs) Linal. That's my new word.
1: (laughs) I have a feeling it will be. (laughs) Thanks, (laughs) Lynette. We'll see you later.
0: All right. Thanks.